it's time to get things started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, motivational. This is what we call the Muppet Show! <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you! Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here, and I'm honored to welcome you to the 50th episode of SB Unfurled and Friends! Yay! Now you might be wondering why I was picked to introduce the 50th podcast. And you might be confused about all the AI-generated photos of me you've seen on Twitter this week. This is the perfect time to announce that I have agreed to be the official Muppet Ambassador of the Atlantic 10 Conference this season. You see, I used to be heavily involved with the SEC, but that all changed when Ole Miss fired my favorite coach in the offseason, Kermit Davis. (laughs) I also feel like the A-10 embodies my motto. It's not easy being green. I know what else isn't easy, losing many of your top programs a decade ago, and now you're lucky to get a second tournament bid! (laughs) It's been so rough for the A-10, Duquesne is actually considered a legitimate threat to win the conference! So, since Disney owns the Muppets, I'm hoping my partnership will allow more games on ESPN and maybe even Disney Plus! Oh great, more games put behind another streaming paywall! I wish my eyes were behind a paywall and the Atlantic 10 had to give me money to watch whatever they call games. <laughs> Anyways, we here at the Muppet Show will be here for all of this season's excitement in the Atlantic 10. When has there ever been any excitement? Um, uh, pay no attention to them. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guests, SB Unfurled and Little Mon X. Yay! Episode 50 of SB Unfurled and Friends. That's right, we've hit the big 5 0. It's our gold anniversary, and we are getting you ready to get the Bonnies started on a season where they are reaching gold in the Atlantic 10, trying to get back to the mountaintop for the first time in, well, it hasn't actually been that long, only two years, but we want to get back there. It's Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. Are you ready for the season now that we finally got that preseason out of the way with no injuries? I am ready. I'm ready for this. Uh, we'll call it the Jamie Moses episode. <laughs> for those of you who have been around following the team for almost 30 years now, Jamie Moses, probably the greatest walk on in Bonnet history. Um, late 90s, war number 50, uh, just max effort every day, just the Bonnet way under Jim Barron. Um, so this episode is dedicated to Jamie Moses. Yep. Shout out Jamie Moses. That is one guy that I. Um... I gotta say, I did not know until you just told me about it a few minutes ago. <laughs> I, I remember him coming into my elementary class. I was in probably fourth or fifth grade, and we, there was like a, we got a chance to ask questions. And one of the kids in my room asked him why he only gets in like at the end of games. 
um because he was a walk-on and he started like yeah. <laughs> he kind of cl- he kind of clammed up and didn't know how to answer and then another kid was like it's because he's a really good clutch shooter and kind of saved jamie in that moment there you um, go th- yeah thankfully so I-, I know jamie was grateful for that little assist there but yeah uh, i'm excited uh we'll talk a little bit about the alfred exhibition i guess if you want i don't know how many people watched the whole thing hopefully people were tuned in a little bit i i watched it a few times no i'm just kidding um i feel like we'll i gotta say that back. i don't think there were we'll, many um there weren't many uh exhibition games on espn plus at seven o'clock on wednesday so it was it was the only one of the only ones it yeah. was one of the few because there's the no context college basketball twitter account that shared a picture of a screenshot of us being up 20 to two so yeah. they were paying attention to it and they have no bonnie investment so clearly they were interested as well I had some friends texting me about like the saber the sabers are playing the flyers, uh, <laughs> oh, and I was like, "What? You're not watching uh, Alfred basketball? Well, like, what's wrong with you?" Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we can talk. We don't have to talk about the game, obviously, but just generalize it, and then we'll we'll get into Longwood and Canisius. We'll get into the non league and the probably the A ten a little bit. So yeah, it's we're like seventy two less than seventy two hours recording this on Friday night from our opener. So I'm, I'm super pumped. And I think, you know, every year I feel like with every fan base, um, well, maybe not everyone, but a lot of fan bases, they talk themselves into how good their team is going to be. I've been guilty of it before, but, um, I think we're really going to be good this year. And I, I don't think it's just me talking myself into it. Like, uh, I just, there aren't many weaknesses, which we can talk about, but, uh, yeah, seems like a really balanced, tough veteran team. Yeah, and of course we'll talk about the what I think is the biggest news in the Atlantic 10 this week, which has been the resurgence of the Muppets taking over our conference, especially Kermit, which you heard in the opening. We'll definitely explain more of that to anybody who's completely confused about why the Muppet Show was introducing us. But yeah, let's get into Alfred. I mean, we don't need to dissect every play or every, you know, situation. Um, we were, like I said, a 20 to 2 opening. I believe we were on pace to win like 96 to 18 at one point at the 10 minute mark in the game like it was obviously not going to be competitive and it never is with them but i i thought there were some interesting takeaways that i didn't know personally i'll let you start with what you thought um what you thought that surprised you that you didn't expect on wednesday night a lot of pressing uh you know I, i feel like that was kind of a tough game for the officials to call just because you could really see how much of a mismatch it was athletically and size wise. Uh, so probably a tough game for, for those officials. Um, it, there were mismatches all over the floor. So in, in the announcers were talking about this too. It doesn't matter the score. You just want to get your reps in. Um, you want to see guys put in effort. You want to, I, I know Schmidt said he's not going to throw any new plays. He's, they were kind of just playing, you know, very basic, offense because you didn't want any of the plays on film or whatever um but takeaways you know honestly it kind of affirmed everything that i was thinking heading into it we didn't obviously see the secret scrimmage all we can go by is stuff we've heard and some things that we saw last year but um everything that i thought about the team pretty much was kind of just affirmed during that game uh with Flowers coming off the bench, with uh, you know Evans coming in first at the four spot behind uh, Asa Asamvu, who is taking the place of Jan Farrell this year. 
Um, Noel Brown coming in first at the five spot. Uh, Micah Adams Woods starting and probably getting a little more time than Luke. So there weren't any, really any surprises uh, for me. So I, I thought Thompson and Rose showed some flashes. It seems like Martinez, you know, he'll probably get some some run this year in certain spots just due to foul trouble, the same way Maxim Madison did last year. Um, I think he might still be a year away. It seemed like he was bringing the ball down too much, and um, there's some some things that he can improve on, I think. But he's got the size, and, and he definitely puts an effort. I just think with Brown and then obviously Venning, he might be a, a, another year away still. But that doesn't mean we won't need him in spots. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think you know this is uh, a team that, because of the guard depth, we can get out and press a little bit more than we usually do. I don't know. People seem to think we're going to do it all the time. I'm very skeptical of that. I think we'll we'll show some looks depending on uh, matchups. But, you know, with Schmidt, like the second a team breaks a press and gets an easy bucket, we're probably out of it the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I have a, a suspicion that we'll maybe go nine deep this year, though. So uh, and and we're guilty of saying it every year it's going to be a deep team and it's always ends up being seven guys eight at the most. Um, but I see minutes for uh, uh, rotation minutes for probably nine guys this year. That's some good news for our good friend on Twitter at Bonabench since he's had yeah. a pretty quiet few years. I mean, he got started <laughs> just because there hasn't been really much of a bench used in the last few years, especially, you know, two years ago. And I think listening to Schmidt in the post-game press conference, he sounds like he actually does want to use the bench more. I know it's subtle. I know it's hard to describe, but I had a feeling like he actually does want to use it other than just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, guys need to work hard and and try to, you know, make the, you know, make the rotation and this and that. I think I legitimately believe him this year when he says that he wants to use more of his bench. Nine deep, I won't be held to a number of nine deep. I think at least more than seven. I would say at least eight deep probably and that gets to my number one takeaway from this game which was Moses Flowers we talked about him coming into the game and he I mean as much as you can have like a really good game against you know a division three team he played really well he was three of five from the field all three all five of those shots were threes he even made three free throws he you know I, I think he's going to have to be that spark plug off the bench to just come out and drill like two threes when he's cold and maybe we're going through a stretch where they haven't made a shot in four minutes or God, it's probably been like what, 10 or 11 minutes at some stretches last year where they didn't make a basket. You know, he's going to need to do that when what we think is the starting five, which, which was the starting five on Wednesday. If that, they go cold. I I think, you know, I think Moses flowers is going to really um, shine a lot this year. I think a lot with that, you know, I think it's, Mainly the bench was my bigger takeaway. I know Chad Benning had a really good game and Mike Adams Woods playing was, you know, starting was big to see him get his first start, even if it was an unofficial game. But I think my biggest takeaways other than Moses Flowers were Noel Brown and Kyra Luke. I thought Luke stepped up his game significantly coming off the bench. Maybe he's hungrier to try to get that starting point guard spot back. Maybe he is able to see the game better when it's in the, you know, in the middle of the game, as opposed to coming in as a starter. Mm -hmm. I I think he can see the, I think he just has a better uh, vision for the game. And, you know, he had three assists and five steals. So he was doing a lot on both ends. 
And then also, like you mentioned, Noel Brown, he has the Atlantic 10 experience. So it's not really a surprise that him replacing Chad Venning down low was going to be, you know, a very good replacement and a very serviceable uh, force down low on defense. And I, I don't think we'll, I, this may be the, um, I'm thinking this is going to be the uh, question a lot of Bonnie's fans are going to have this season, but they, I don't think we'll ever see a Chad Venning, Noel Brown lineup <laughs> on, the, on those two on the court at the same time, unless something catastrophic mm-hmm. is happening. <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, I think Noel Brown is better on defense than Chad Venning. And while I think Venning has been better than Oshuniyi, um was on offense, we have lacked that interior defense. And I think Noel Brown is going to give that to us. Especially, yeah, when Venning comes out of the game um, last year, when he came out, there was just such a big drop off um, defensively. You, you felt like our defense almost folded. We couldn't grab rebound. There was no real offensive rebounding. There was no um, physicality or toughness or size down low last year because um, Jan was playing the four at six, six, but when Venning came out, Maluk would come in at the five and, you know, no fault of his own. He was kind of out of position. He's probably more of a four in the a 10. Um, so you all of a sudden add six eleven, two 265 pound Noel Brown. Yeah. No one's asking him to be an offensive threat. Really? His role is to come in 10, 12, 15 minutes a game play tough, play hard defense, get rebounds, don't give up offensive rebounds, um, rotate, you know, when guards from other teams are driving the paint, be a physical presence. We didn't really have that last year when Venning came out. So, you know, you you go from six, eight, what, 200-pound Anuar Malouk probably to right. 6'11", 265-pound Noel Brown who has – a 10 experience. Um, I don't think there's going to be a, a defensive drop off. In fact, our defense might get better when he's in. Um, so yeah, a huge, huge improvement for the depth at the five spot. Um, you mentioned Schmidt's presser and I agree with you because in the past he would just say the best guys are going to play. Um, and that was, co- you don't want right. to put anyone down specifically, but that was code for like, yeah, we don't have much of a bench. And part of that is it's so difficult to recruit. Like we talked about in our last episode, you got five guys playing 35 plus minutes a game, all returning. You're not going to recruit over those guys and you're not going to get guys to come in uh, at the level we have now off the bench because they don't want to sit for 40 minutes a game. So you bring out literally a second lineup. If you do a line change, the second lineup would be Kyra Luke. Um, you know, you, you keep either, Banks or Pride in, but then you have Moses Flowers, Barry Evans, Noel Brown off the bench. Um, that's a, a really good second lineup. And Schmidt said it's like it's not even like a backup lineup. It's almost like a second starting five. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he substitutes if he sends in three, four guys at a time. Crazy to talk about that with Schmidt, but here we are. He kind of did that in the exhibition. Um, and I don't think his substitution patterns in the season will be the same as the exhibition, but I could see him bringing in uh, a couple guys, you know, every game, the first substitution is three, four guys. Um, And that's what happened uh, on what was it Wednesday in the exhibition pride stayed on the floor. The other four guys around him completely switched out. And, you know, that's, that's going to keep us fresh and that might allow us to press more 
um, which we did in the exhibition, um, I don't know how aggressive or how much we will press, but it definitely gives us us the option to do that just because of how deep we are at the guard spot. Um, so yeah, and, and Moses Flowers, you know, he that position is deep, but I think he's going to carve out twenty to twenty five minutes a game. Um, that means Banks and Pride will probably you know get down to thirty or so minutes a game. If if someone has a hot hand, they'll play a little more. Um, but yeah, I mean just a really good piece to have a fifth year senior and a captain as good as Moses flowers coming off the bench, coming in at the two spot or the three spot, especially with how much everyone within the program. And now people are seeing, you know, like on Wednesday um, seems to have really improved. A lot of it's probably getting familiar with the offense. Uh, I was interested to see if, if Evans or Thompson would kind of be that, that guy at the four spot when Asa Asamvu came out um, and it looked like it was Barry Evans and he, he hit a three, uh, he, his jump shot, you know, he's that, he's got that lefty jump shot. It, you know, it, it looked pretty good yesterday. So um, I like Evans. He's two years older than Thompson who re- reclassified. So, you know, he's Thompson's really young. Um, right. So yeah, I, I just, I think there is depth, there's toughness, there's veteran leadership. We have shooters. We, uh, we should be a pretty good defensive team. Um, it's tough to find a weakness right now when you, when you look at us on paper. Yeah, I would say the rebounding, and it's actually kind of funny how if you look at it, technically Alfred out-rebounded us on offense. They had 12 offensive rebounds, and we had only nine, but then you have to realize that we weren't missing many shots. So there yeah. weren't many <laughs> offensive rebound opportunities. Yeah. You can't get an offensive rebound if you don't, if you don't miss or if you, yeah, yeah, they- <laughs> you make it, if you make it, you can't get an offensive rebound. So that's how yeah. that works. But going yeah. back to the bench, I think, I think the key to this year, as opposed to a lot of the years in the last, at least like five years with Schmidt is that we've always seen that he values seniority over, over a lot of things. And maybe sometimes it hasn't always been the, sheer talent that has gotten more playing time, but he's definitely valued the seniority. When I look at the bench right now, you have three guys that have former division one experience before coming to Bonas. You have Moses flowers. He was at Hartford. They're D three now, but when he was there, they were D one. You have Noel Brown, who's at GW and Kyra Luke, who's at Holy cross. So those three guys have D one experience before they even came onto Bonas campus. So that's going to be very valuable to have on the bench. And if Mike Adams Woods doesn't start and Kyrell Luke starts over him, he was at Cincinnati. Charles Pride was at Bryant. So you have five guys that have prior experience. Banks was at St. Peter's. So there's a lot of experience from before Bonaventure that is going to help out with the bench, especially. And another thing with Barry Evans, you mentioned with him, you know, hopefully take another step forward. I believe Schmidt also mentioned in his press conference that, he essentially told Barry that he has to start shooting better or he may not have that much of a spot on the team because, you know, that was a bit of a problem last year was his, was his shooting. And I think, you know, it's only a one game sample size against Alfred, but you know, he shot two or three and nailed a three pointer. So he's, you know, hopefully taking that next step. Yeah. And that was the thing last year, like even in post game pressers, uh, I, I loved Evan's, energy on defense. He's just long athletic. He's, he has a knack for the ball. And like a lot of his buckets were off, uh, takeaways and in transition. Um, maybe he's, he's 
risking it a little bit and uh, getting a steal and getting down the floor for a dunk. But Schmidt would say like kind of has the green light with his jump shot last year. So um, it looked better yesterday or uh, Wednesday. And if he can, you know, at least make defenses honest, that's going to be huge because Asa at the four, the starter, is a, a good smooth shooter. He keeps defenses on us at the four spot and that pick and pop defenses has have to come out. Um, you can space the defense and get, get some movement that way and, and possibly get some easy buckets out of our sets. If Evans comes in and he doesn't have that jumper, that takes a lot away. So if he can come in and, and be, you know, not as good as, as Asa, but the same style, at least in the, in those sense that defensive, defenses have to come out and you know respect his ability to hit threes that's going to be huge for us um and I don't know it's it's a very very small sample size but what what I saw out of Evans was pretty good offensively yeah and I think you know I think he want I think Schmidt wanted more guys like Evans and you know Moses Flowers and you know Noel Brown to step up more because it it didn't seem like you know, Daryl Banks, he only was one of six. He didn't really wow me that much. He did have six assists, which I felt like was pretty um, pretty different for him. He's not as prone to get a ton of assists, so that was a little different. So I, I wonder if maybe, you know, some of the starters that are the main starters like like Banks and, and Pride were told to kind of, you know, relax a little bit more and, and, you know, let some of the others step up. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, Barry Evans has a huge role to play on this team. I think if the shots fall, he can definitely step up. He has familiarity with some of the other guys that are coming from Putnam Science Academy because the Putnam Science pipeline is, uh, it keeps churning <laughs> all the way from Eastern Connecticut to Western New York. And yeah, I think it's, you know, it's something that uh, we value a lot. In those three transfers that we got, Micah Adams-Woods, Charles Pride from Bryant, and Noel Brown yeah. from GW, they started a combined 218 out of three they played 301 combined games they started 218 of those games so adams woods wow. and uh pride especially four-year starters um at cincy and bryant and then brown um got got some starts as well at gw in the a10 so yeah 218 starts we're bringing in experience for sure from the transfer portal and rainbows have nothing to so we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. So the dress rehearsal is over. Bonnie's won 80 to 41 over Alfred. Not the biggest uh, blowout of Alfred, but you know what? It's fine. <laughs> we'll take it. Schmidt's not in the hot seat for now. <laughs> but so let's get started. You know, you may be listening to this before or after the Longwood game, but we'll get into Longwood quickly here. We don't need to dissect too much, but I will say it looks like Longwood in terms of the home non-conference games does technically appear to be the toughest since you know, Sienna's down, Canisius is mm-hmm. Canisius, Bucknell's really down. And mm-hmm. then our tough games are either neutral or are basically on the neutral, neutral sites. All of them are the tough ones. So, you know, 
uh, looking ahead to Longwood, what do you what do you make of like what's going to be important against those guys? So their coach uh, Griff Aldrich, he's kind of transformed that program um, into a pretty competitive one. I think a couple of years ago they went to the NCAA tournament. Yep. A lot of people thought they would repeat last year in the Big South and go back to back. So it was a little bit of a disappointing year last year. They were a 14 year. seed in 2022. Um, yeah, lost to Tennessee, right? Um, I think so. So yeah. they, they're bringing back four part time starters. Uh, so they'll rely on them to make, they'll have significant roles, I think. Um, they brought in some transfers. Uh, they're really good in like the pick and roll. They have a, a good offense, I think. Some of the guys were a little inconsistent last year. Um, but, you know, they, they set a ton of ball screens. Uh, a couple of their perimeter guys and their wings, they have size and they they do have a, a pretty good program. Like they run stuff. They, they're tough. They play with high IQ. Um, D.A. Houston, this kid they have, a combo guard, he's just a really strong, bulky, able to create, um, you know, he's improving his shooting a little bit, but he's a really tough defender. So I'll, I'll be looking for him on the wing, see how he does against a Banks or a Pride. Um, Michael Christmas, another guy, a true wing. Um, he's shown some potential with scoring and rebounding, but they also have a, a true seven-footer, the Simon Zapala, um, and a couple of versatile forwards. So they got size down low. They got some some decent shooters. They got strength and athleticism they're really good at, or at least were good last year at turning defense into offense and getting out and running. I think they were probably the best or second best defensive team in the conference uh, in the big South. So um, they need more reliability at point guard, I think. So um, if you're Luke or you're Adams woods, or like we talked about pressing full court, make these teams um, first game of the year in the Riley center, hostile environment, make them uncomfortable because I think if they do have a weakness, probably the point guard, um, this Waylon Knapper filled in last year at the point guard when they lost Justin Hill, um, he was pretty inconsistent. I know their coach is like saying that he's improved a lot and, you know, there's a big learning curve for point guards and this will be his year to break out, but I'll have to see it to believe it. Um, he did finish the year pretty strong last year. So that does provide a little optimism, but if we're going to take advantage of Longwood, I think it's going to be their weakness at point guard and really get up in there and make him uncomfortable, put the pressure on him full court. I would love to see that. Don't let them get into um, much of a rhythm. And I think we can do that. So uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, they got size and they have some shooters and they're pretty, pretty good defensively. And they have a really good coach who runs stuff. You know, it's not um, some, glorified AAU MEAC team coming in here. Right. Uh, so yeah, they, they've, they've put together a couple 21 seasons last year and the year before. So you can't, you know, you hear Longwood and you're like, Oh, this should be a, a cupcake, but you know, there's some, there's, there's some things that we definitely have to worry about when it comes to them, you know, size, speed, athleticism on the perimeter. They are really good at creating turnovers. Um, and, you know, get, getting fast break, we can't allow them to turn us over a lot, really take care of the ball and pressure them, pressure their point guard napper. And I, I think we can win by, you know, what's the line at 11, I think. So it's 11. Um, yeah. So if we do that <laughs> stuff, I, I think we can, we can handle this team, but I'm always worried about these games and it's like any sport, the first game of the year, if it's week one, game one, 
weird shit happens all season, but especially in that first couple weeks. I haven't dived into too many Big South previews, but like when I'm looking here from Coleman Crawley on Twitter, he's projecting them to be fourth in the Big South behind UNC Astro, Winthrop, and Radford, which are all good teams that have made the tournament recently. So Longwood, mm-hmm. you know, made the tournament a couple of years ago. So it, like we said, it, it, they're a competent program. This is not going to be, yeah. you know, I, I can't even think of like Stonehill or West Florida, West Georgia, whoever these new division yeah. one teams are that have been coming in the last few years, Houston Baptist. Like it's not one of those games. This is going to be, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be fairly close. And I think we're going to see the first example. Or I hope we see the first example of what we were talking about with Noel Brown and Chad Venning sharing some time. You know, hopefully the vending machine doesn't have any malfunctions and gets into foul trouble early. But I think even if he doesn't get into foul trouble early, you're going to want to rotate those two to yeah. match up with Zapala. And you're going to want to have Venning stay fresh for the second half. I think that's going to be another key that we're going to see throughout the season with with Benning is getting him some more rest, especially around timeouts and being strategic around that. And that'll mm-hmm. be important when you're going up against a guy who is taller than Benning in Zapala, as opposed to the rest of the team for Longwood. I feel like our guards have more talent and just more experience. Although, you know, they, the, the Longwood does have quite a few seniors and juniors. I think the, the overall experience, some fifth year guys, even that we have, will be very important to, I think, neutralize Longwood on the perimeter. Yeah, I think so. Um, the thing that scares me most about Longwood is their their defense is pretty good. Like, they have really good individual defenders, especially on the wing, and that's kind of where we seem to want. I know we run our offense through Venning a lot, but um, guys like, obviously, Banks, Flowers, Pride, which we talk about a lot, um, and even Adams Woods on the perimeter, Longwood has really good perimeter defenders, and I we should have probably had Gridzy on to talk about this because he is the <laughs> perimeter def- defense expert, as you heard last week. Um, but, He's a very yeah. busy man. We're lucky we even got him on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm looking at Houston, really good on-ball defender. Christmas, just a big wing stopper. He can guard multiple positions, and then Massey can switch one through five on defense, and then they have the big man Zapala, seven-footer patrolling the, the rim down low. So um, yeah, hopefully our shots are falling. I I think maybe these exhibition games are good to get them out and get some reps in the Riley center in game speed action. So hopefully some of those jitters are out and the cobwebs are out um, and, you know, we can come out hot because I I don't want to see, seems like uh, I can't remember who was the opener last year. It wasn't at Canisius, but a few, openers we have dropped and we should not have dropped them i remember um 20 uh what was it? yeah i actually was just talking about this with somebody today um i believe it was um st francis pennsylvania i think we opened with last yeah. season and then the season before was sienna because we were actually talking about whether or not they'd cover let alone when mm-hmm. yeah we covered against st francis last year then we it was where I was looking it up, it was minus 18 and a half against Siena. We won by 18. So, you know, you know, bad beat Scott Van Pelt. But then, yeah, before before COVID, we lost three straight yeah. home openers, Ohio, Bucknell, and Niagara, 2017, 18, 19. Yeah, that's reverse, what it was. 19, 18, 17. But yeah, yeah, we have to, you know, avoid those kind of kind of landmines. And I, I do worry Longwood could be at least decent enough to possibly trip us up. But I am very, uh, I'm feeling very comfortable with how what I've seen in the off season and in the preseason as well. 
Yeah, and like we've said before, like there's a lot to be said about the consistency, bringing our six guys back, and then the guys we bring in are veterans. They've been around D1. They know the speed. They know the game. Um, the fact that Adams Woods started against Alfred shows me that, you know, Schmidt trusts him with the offense. Um, so really no reason with our consistency being at home, having the guys we have and the balance we have no reason to drop this one or the next one. Yeah. And I'm just trying to look up where, I don't know if uh, it doesn't look like Longwood had any exhibitions. I'm not seeing anything on their website, at least not an official on the court, you know, <laughs> not behind closed doors, not a secret scrimmage. It doesn't look like they had any, you know, official scrimmage or official exhibition game to go off of what they've done. But it sounded like they could have been a CBI team before getting upset in the big South tournament. So these, these guys are competent and I'm, I mean, I'm more worried about this game than Canisius, although Canisius of course is a, you know, a rival as we all know, and we've lost a Canisius a few times. So it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't look past that either, but I, I mentioned it off the top, you know, I'm looking at Bartorvik's, um, Bartorvik's preseason rankings and Longwood is fairly easily the, toughest road or toughest home team we have in non-conference and Mm -hmm. you know i I think it i think it it will play out like that i think this could be a a fairly tricky game but it could be one of those ones where you know we're up six to eight the whole time and then maybe we end up winning by 14 yeah uh i could definitely see that and that's one thing i think we're lacking with the schedule i like our schedule overall but we're lacking a good home game usually every year we have one with one of those home and homes um, by no means are we bringing in a, a P6 team, but you'll get nor a good Northern Iowa team. Um, you know, like Florida Gulf Coast came in and, you know, it seems like every year we have a, a decent home and home with another non P5. Uh, we did it with Vermont when they had really good teams. There's one every year, but this year I feel yeah. like we're, we're kind of lacking that. Yeah, but I do like what we have you know, yeah, yeah, with too. our neutral site games, we'll get into those a little bit. I just want to, you know, get back to Canisius before we look at the rest of the, uh, at a conference. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, hopefully you're listening to this after a Longwood win, if you didn't listen to it over the weekend or on Monday. So, Hey, hopefully the Bonnies beat Longwood. If you're still listening to this <laughs> and now with Canisius coming up, Canisius opens up at the JMA wireless dome, which whatever. I mean, I'm watch I'm literally looking at it right now because BC and Syracuse are playing each other in football. But <laughs> they open up on Wednesday against Cuse and then they're going to head down to the Riley Center and play us on Saturday. So I know last year was uh <laughs> that was not a good one against Canisius. So what are you what are you looking at when you think about Canisius going into this year? It seems like, you know, I'm much more comfortable. I should have pulled this up, but like when we're at home, I think we take care of them pretty well. Uh, they did beat us when we had, I think it was an overtime game when we had Jalen yep. Adams. Uh, but, you know, I'm Last more worried overtime. about, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I worry about the road games in these cases, going to Kessler, going to Gallagher, um, not as worried about having them at home. Um, having said that last year, I mean, they, it seems like it still is always a coin flip uh, and rarely do does one side blow the other side out just because of, you know, it is a rivalry game. They get up for this. It's, it's usually the one that they're circling on their calendar every year. Um, and that's tough. And, you know, last year I remember they, they only won like five games 
up until mid-February, I think. And one of them was Bana's. Um, They they beat us and then they didn't. They beat Fredonia State, who was a D3 school. They didn't (laughs) win another game until January 6th when they beat Manhattan. Um, So we were really their only D1 win. They were 2-11. Their two wins were against us and against Fredonia State, and that is completely unacceptable. I don't think that happens this year. It was I'm not making excuses, but tough, tough road environment and a big rivalry game with a ton of new guys who did not know what they were doing out there, um, still learning the system, even if they weren't freshmen on paper, like Schmidt would say, you're still a freshman when it comes to learning our plays and our sets and stuff like that. So um gonna be a different case this year. I, I think our guys are more comfortable with each other, more comfortable with the system. We're going to be at home. I think it'll be a much different look, but Canisius did turn it around at the end of the year last year. I think they won like five of their last seven. Their two losses were yep. one point losses. Um, and a lot of that was because of their defense. Um, and they do have a, a good player, an all Mac player, Stavesky, six foot, um, just a playmaker. He had 21 double figure scoring games, three games with at least 21 points uh, as a redshirt freshman. So his return along with, they return eight rotation players. So they have also that rare level of continuity in college basketball that we have the Xavier long TJ Gadsden, Bryce Oakpo, Trey Dinkins. Um, they all start at least 10 games last season. They're going to play significant roles. So we have the continuity. So does Canisius. Our guys skill level are better. Um, and I trust us to be able to shut down a Stavesky. Um, but, you know, they they had some bad luck with injuries. But guys like Xavier Long, a lot of potential, 6'7", um, versatile, capable of scoring, leading and rebounds. Um, just He can be a double-double machine in the MAC. Um, pretty versatile roster with Gadsden and Oakpo. Um, also have double-double potential. So they got that mix of like size and athleticism that allows for ple- flexible positional play. Um, a pretty deep front court for a MAC team. Seven players they have between 6'6 six, six and 6'9. Six, so a versatile front court rotation, some interior depth. Their star is the, the guard, Stavesky. And, um, you know, some of them can stretch the floor as well and handle the ball. Um, one of their guys was uh, 42% from three. Yuri Fritz, 6'9 forward, capable of being pretty good on the perimeter, although he had a bad, I think, knee injury last year. So, you know, like, Canisius isn't going to be um, – if, if if you took this roster and put him in the A-10, they'd, they'd be the worst team in the A-10 probably, right? right. But um, <laughs> still, like, it's it still worries me. They got guys who can shoot, and they're, they're pretty – pretty deep for a Mac team. And they have that continuity. These, these guys have played together. They know what Witherspoon likes to do. So, um, you know, I, I think the biggest concern is probably their, their backcourt depth. Um, Dinkins will start with Stavesky, but other than those guys, I don't see much depth in the backcourt. So with our backcourt depth and their lack thereof, I, I think we should be able to handle that. Um, but Having said that, it's still Canisius. It's still a big rivalry game. Doesn't matter. Um, it's always seems to be a coin flip. So I'm going to be going into these two games pretty pretty damn worried that we're going to step on a landmine because if we do, uh, you know that 
that's a huge, huge blow to the goals that we have this year. It's crucial to get away from those these two games with a win going into Brooklyn. But with Canisius, you know, they have lost a couple important pieces, though. They lost Yako Fritz, who was a good 6'10 big man for them. They also lost Jordan Henderson, which I don't know if he went to the Saudi Pro League with the Liverpool Jordan Henderson as well. But they are both graduated. And, you know, those were two significant contributors to the team. Also, looking back on Canisius from last season, they weren't very good on defense. They were in the 300s, especially on three-point defense. And that's something that we can hopefully exploit with, you know, Daryl Banks doing what he can and Moses Flowers coming off the bench and what we talked about. I also mm-hmm. think without Yako Fritz, we may have a we may have an advantage down low that we can exploit against Canisius that mm-hmm. would, you know, benefit us, I think, more so than against Longwood, who has more of that depth down low. So it seems yeah. like Canisius, it would be a little bit of an inside out game as opposed to Longwood trying to frustrate them on the edges and, and and trying to cut into the lane more. I feel like it may be more of an inside out game with Canisius. Yeah. And you're right. Their defensive metrics for the season were bad, but they showed a lot of improvement defensively last year. They had, they started five and 18 um, during that 23 game stretch. They were allowing 74 points per game, but then they kind of tightened things up Um you know, opponents were shooting lights out against them, almost 50% from the field, 38% from three. But over the last seven games, they were, they kind of locked down. They were holding teams to about 65 points a game, brought those shooting numbers down a lot. Um, so I think Witherspoon, I, re- I remember him saying like they really attributed it to just increased defensive activity and disruption. They were really focusing on eliminating easy baskets, easier said than done. And I get that maybe their competition level went down those last few games. So maybe that plays into it, but um, it did look like at the end of the year, they were improving a lot and they bring back so many guys that, you know, I, I, think I'm just traumatized by too many Canisius losses, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter like how many metrics we look at. You kind of throw those away when it's such an early game against Canisius early. I mean like early November game against a, a bitter rival. So um, yeah, if they can maintain that late season defense, the the improvements that they made um, they got a couple transfers, not too many. I think Joe Jones gives them some solid rim protection and stability defensively. Um, but you know, they, they have some size on the wings as well. So uh, overall, yes, we're a much better team, but um, that's not to say that they can't, you know, have a good night and kind of shock us like they did. And like they have in years past. Yeah. And if you want a complete breakdown and I mean complete breakdown of the Mac with two A's this upcoming season. You got to look on Mid-Major Madness, our friends over there, Sam Fetterman. He wrote over 23,000 words on this nice. Mac's upcoming season. 23,000 words on the Mac. Keep in mind, they only have 11 teams, not 15. So maybe 15 teams could get away with that. But he's has Canisius <laughs> pick fourth, just slightly ahead of Niagara in fifth. And, you know, Taj Tavetsky, like we, like you said, he's expected to be pretty good. He's a first team projected by by our good friend Sam and yeah I I think they're going to you know have some improvement because of what they showed at the end of the season I think you know they you know tighten things up on defense a little bit although I still think the metrics show that 
that may be a little bit of an outlier as opposed to what they were doing throughout the year. Um, yeah, I think, you know, being hot was, was pretty important for them, but it still is something that they have to fix it on defense is to, you know, improve their perimeter defense as opposed to, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, just, you know, relying on getting into a track meet and, and, and trying to outscore, especially, you know, better teams like the Bonnies. Mm-hmm. And we'll have Gridzy back on the the Galaxy's foremost perimeter defensive expert. We'll have him back on after these two games during our next one to kind of recap and look at how good our perimeter defense was and how maybe how bad the other teams was, hopefully. But um, speaking of like 23,000 words, we got to have Sam on when, you know, we have back to back Niagara Siena early December. Yes. Back to back Mac. Maybe we can get him on for some. M A A C Maction uh, analysis. Let's let's shoot for. I'm not going to promise because we haven't asked him yet. But let's shoot for the first week of December because that's when we play Niagara and Siena back to back. Right. Yeah. We got to get him for that one, especially with, yeah. now that he'll have like a month of the season to analyze mm-hmm. what the Mac has been doing. Because twenty three thousand words. It's it's. I mean, I can't tell you that I've read more than like a couple thousand of them, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm also not covering the Mac. I've looked at Canisius <laughs> and Siena and Niagara, and you know. It's yeah. very thorough, and you know, he he points out that like they're starting off with two tough road matchups in his top eighty, Syracuse and the Bonnies. So, you know, that's that's a start. That's a tough start for for Canisius. So, I yeah. think it'll be important to see what happens in that Syracuse game because that could take a lot out of them. And they're also playing on Wednesday as opposed to us playing on Monday. So mm-hmm. that's five yeah. days of rest as opposed to Canisius having two days of rest and both games being on the road. Right. And I don't care what anyone says. There's something comforting about spending a Friday night watching like Marist versus Fairfield. Yeah. I would much rather watch <laughs> like Iona versus Ryder than any P5, any disgusting like Big 12 or, you know, Big 10 matchup. Like I, I maybe it's just me, but I just like it. There's something I like about the match. No, I agree. And I, I think I, I don't think this is sickos stuff like sickos college football kind of thing. No, I, I don't. I, I like the sickos in football, but basketball. I don't think it's sickos. I think it's a little more authentic with you know yeah. smaller schools getting to prove themselves, and you know these conferences in the P five, even the Big East two P six, they get so many bids that you know a loss doesn't make or break the season. Whereas almost any single game that the Bonnies play, if we're legitimately trying to get an at large is a win or lose game or is a must lose game. Yeah. Or must win game. You can't lose yeah. the game. <laughs> Not a must lose game. I don't think the Bonnies have ever had a must lose game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to watch like Quinnipiac go into Manhattan on a Friday night and just look at the track that goes around. There's like a track under the bleachers on the inside and indoor oh, yeah. track on their court. And like uh, Manhattan's not in Manhattan, by the way, I, I learned right. that. Last season. Riverdale, right? <laughs> I think Riverdale. Yeah, I think it's technically in the Bronx or something, but yeah. they call themselves the Sixth Borough. And I, I was like, why? Uh, I did not know they're not in Manhattan, but yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's Longwood. That's Canisius. Two teams we should definitely and have to beat, but they each provide their own kind of uh, wrinkle and skill set that could give us fits a little bit. But I think if we can lock down their point guards. Um, and for different reasons, I think we can force Longwoods into some mistakes. And if we can just kind of neutralize Tavesky from Canisius, 
I don't see really a path for them to keep up with us. No, I think the only other way would be if their transfer from Humber College in Canada. No, not aware of what that place is, but Frank Mitchell is supposed to be a very good impact uh, big guy for them as a transfer. He doesn't have the offense that Yako Fritz has, according to Sam Fetterman. <laughs> At, but uh, Frank Mitchell does have a lot better defense. So I do worry if that could get, you know, Chad Venning uncomfortable in offense. Maybe you get an offensive foul or two. That that could be something that Canisius could exploit. But I do also think at 6'8", 240, it seems like that would be a little bit of a mismatch for him yeah. against Noel Brown coming off the bench. So maybe that could be neutralized as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and when we come back, I'm going to listen to this back and see just how far off we are or maybe maybe we're <laughs> on with all this stuff i don't know um i watched canisius a few times last year and i did not watch longwood once so um this is all just stuff we're kind of you know it, it's a it's a decent scouting report for all the sickos who are tuning in and listening to longwood and canisius previews but we do it for the bonnies these are big every game is big when you're in our position because you cannot have one slip up we're not a p5 that has just unlimited um money to buy teams and unlimited like q1 q2 opportunities in the conference slate we have to make the most of every chance we get and we can't really slip up there's hardly any margin for error it makes it stressful but in a way it makes it exciting because these p5 teams go into these games and they don't really give a shit we go in like knowing we got to win these games and we kind of have to win handily do you want to know that reminds me of the third team on our schedule is basically one of, if not the biggest example of bloated P5 budgets, Oklahoma State. <laughs> that's our that's our opponent in the uh, Legends Classic down in Brooklyn, which I'm pl- planning on going to right now. I already got tickets, bought them back in March. They're an example of it. We don't have to dissect every single matchup going forward, but just looking at the out-of-conference schedule, the, the big highlights are Oklahoma State who was not allowed to make the NCAA tournament. Why? Because of, you know, doing bad things. (laughs) And, um, you know, they're going to be a very good team in a tournament threat this season. Then possibly Auburn or Notre Dame will be tough. Um, Looking ahead, you know, to Florida Atlantic, of course, they made the Final Four. I can't remember the last time we played a a defending Final Four team. So that'll be awesome in Springfield. I'm going to that one as well. And then, you know, Akron to round out the schedule will be interesting in – Cleveland because Akron's expected to be a pretty high team in the Mac. So Mm -hmm. the Mac with one a, by the way. So when we look at the whole schedule for non-conference, what are you most interested in seeing what the Bonnies do? The Oklahoma state game is huge because if we win that, I think we'll have a good chance of playing Auburn because Auburn plays Notre Dame. Auburn is like a top 20 team, I think, in the yeah. country where Notre Dame is really not going to move the needle too much. Um, it's It would be a good win, don't get me wrong, um, just like last year when we beat them. But I don't want the revenge factor. I don't want to – I want the best opportunities possible. So that Oklahoma State game is big because, you know, that would be a good resume builder. But also you win that, you probably get another really good resume builder. Um, the thing I like when looking at the schedule, though, just overall at from uh, 30,000 feet, our biggest games, you're talking Oklahoma State and the Legends Classic. You're talking Florida Atlantic. You mentioned Akron. 
um, we got like a week of rest going into every one of them. Uh, maybe not quite a week. We go Saturday to Thursday when we go Canisius to Oklahoma State, but we got a lot of rest going into that game. We have a full week going into Florida Atlantic because we play Siena at home, and then we have a full week to prepare for that neutral site game against Florida Atlantic. And then Akron, we have over a week. So we play Binghamton at home on a Friday. We have, because that's Christmas week, um, over a week until Akron. So our three toughest games, or I guess you could say uh, four toughest, one being kind of a doubleheader, we have a lot of rest going into that, a lot of time to prepare. And I, I think if you give Schmidt time to prepare like that, he's going to make the most of it for sure. Um, so I really, really like that aspect of the schedule. No true road games other than Buffalo and Niagara. Um, those will be, you know, going into Buffalo again. We lost there last year. We got our asses kicked there last year. We I'm cannot sorry, have who? that happen. SUNY Amherst, my Thank bad. Thank you. <laughs> edit that out edit that out um nope. but yeah so those two back-to-back games uh back-to-back road games early december up in buffalo so gotta have those um and other than that couple good opportunities that we have to take advantage of if we want to build a resume and, and reach you know we're projected to be number two in the a10 um number two in the a10 most years usually you're you're on the bubble looking at possibly um, having a solid enough resume to where you're in the discussion. So we got to make the most of all this stuff. I know it's way too early to be talking about any of that stuff, but um, it just shows like, and I think people are starting to realize even non-Bana fans are messaging me saying like, you know, doing a deeper dive into the A-10, looking at the Bonnies, like people are kind of underestimating this team. Um, And I agree. And I actually like it that way. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all the hype around Dayton just because Deron Holmes is still yeah. there. But yeah. as we saw last season, Chad Venning did a really good job against him. And, you know, mm-hmm. that game will be at Dayton, so that could be a different factor. But that's Dayton and the Bonnies, I still feel like, are way closer than than people may originally think, at least after last season. But, yeah, I think if you have any delusions or dreams or however you want to describe them of an at-large bid – you can't have any more than two non-conference losses and they have to be one in Brooklyn and one against Florida Atlantic because anything else is going to be nuclear for our resume, especially any home loss. Akron may, you know, Akron may turn out to be a really good team and maybe they turn into a quad two game, hopefully, but right now it's quad three and I don't really foresee that getting into the two status as opposed to everything at home is quad four. So forget about losing Uh any of those games. I'm really interested to see, how we match up with Florida Atlantic because Florida Atlantic is very similar to us because they're returning essentially everybody from a final four team and dusty may is back as well as coach. They Mm -hmm. have, you know, they have some good depth down low and and they just, they were a very interesting team to watch in the tournament. can't say I watched them very much before March, but (laughs) we, um, you know, we saw, you know, Vatislav golden do very well as a seven, one big guy down down low for them and i honestly thought they should have beaten san diego state in the final four game but you know one Mm -hmm. one unlucky bounce changes things so they didn't i still think florida atlantic will be good i think maybe you know they got hot a little bit in march so they may not be top 10 good where they're sitting right now in 10th place in the ap poll but i still think it's going to be an incredible opportunity to prove ourselves 
Florida Atlantic is still the favorite to win now the American because they moved from Conference USA. And hey, we beat Florida Atlantic not too long ago down in down in their gym a few years ago, right before they really took off and got really famous in the basketball world. Mm-hmm. So I am really excited for that game. You know, the, the Brooklyn games are also going to be great. I think Notre Dame seems a little bit better. So even if we did end up playing them, whether it's because we lost or because Auburn lost, I think that would be, you know, a decent game. I think it would be a tougher game than than last season because Notre Dame was kind of at the end of Mike Bray's tenure. And yeah. there's a little bit more roster turnover happening there. I think they may be a little bit tougher in the ACC than last year. Yeah. But I would I agree with you. I ultimately, yeah, I would rather play Auburn whether we win or lose against Oklahoma State because that would be a better chance to prove ourselves. And mm-hmm. I also would love to see uh, us make Bruce Pearl cry because <laughs> if Bruce Pearl was in the A10, he would make me more angry than Travis Ford, Danny Hurley, and <laughs> Archie Miller ever made me put together. If oh, Bruce okay. Mil- if Bruce <laughs> Bruce Pearl was in the A10. I liked him at Milwaukee, UW Milwaukee. But ever since he ever since he went to the big time, no, he's no. And that's not even getting into yeah. his political stuff. <clears throat> Anyways. <laughs> Isn't Schmidt friends with Pim or no? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I feel like I'm not were... friends with Schmidt, so that's why I, I said like... it. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Um, who's your least favorite A10 coach? Is it? Uh... Oh, it's Dan Brock. Ford? Ford? Oh, Dan Brock. Okay. No, it's Dan Brock. No, it's Dan Brock. I thought it might Ford. be Ford. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's it's still the 2021 quarterfinals. That's that those antics still bug me. Like at least Travis Ford's put together good teams. Although I think St. Louis is going to be a tire fire this season, and I don't I think we'll have time to get into too much the A10 this podcast. But as we get closer to the A10 season, we'll definitely start you know getting a little more information on the at a conference. But I'll just say like I think St. Louis and Rhodey are two you know mm-hmm. perennial decent to powerhouse teams that are going to be awful this year. I think Archie's my least favorite um, for yeah, he's not a Dayton. It's not the same when he's not a Dayton. If he was at Dayton, I would, I would put him up there, but him at roadie, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I'm glad that those teams project to be pretty bad. Um, but you know, and, and we put out um, Michael seats, who's writing for uh, our platform on, you know, he's going to be, reviewing and recapping all these games he put out his his projections he had st louis 14th their fans were not happy about that their fans like to complain a lot about like what other people think about them but i saw it and i was like you know what i looked at the roster and i could see it i could see that happening pillow fight they still destined as for we fight. as we record friday night they still have three guys waiting for waivers mm. to be cleared by the ncaa so they don't even know you know on college basketball leave they don't really know who's going to be on their team so well that's on the coach yeah it's on the coach but it's also on the ncaa it's it's a whole mess and yeah i i i'm not going to defend travis ford by any means but yeah i I still think st louis is i I don't know if i'd go 14 but i think they're a pillow fighter i think so and i think duquesne misses the uh double buy as well yeah i do too yeah prove it to me first keith prove it to me the Florida Keys There's a place called Kokomo That's where you wanna go to get away from it all 
you had some uh, over-unders and other questions you wanted to kind of put out to not only me, but everybody here. You want to go ahead and fire those off? Uh, First over-under, over-under eight and a half rotation players that Schmidt will use this year. And you said earlier, you're not sure if we'll go nine. You probably think it'll be eight. So I'm putting you on the spot over-under eight and a half rotation players. I read your mind. I'm going to go over. I'll say nine. I, I, I think it will be... I think it'll be eight and nine. I, I think it, I know I'm kind of hedging, but I, I will say we will see more often than not a nine man rotation. I think, you know, we have the three guys I mentioned earlier who have D1 experience on the bench, Flowers, um, Luke, and oh, who's the other one I'm blanking? <laughs> well, so I think I think this depends on... Noel Brown, Noel Brown, sorry. Yeah, I think this over-under depends on what kind of jump Evans made. Did he truly make an offensive leap from freshman to sophomore? If he did, I think he does get in um, to kind of come in in relief of Asa Asambu, who is replacing Jan Farrell. Looks just like Jan, plays yeah. exactly like Jan. Same exact game, same exact style. Asa Asambu um, at the four. So if Evans by a ten play, you know, isn't isn't cutting it then we're probably going to be at eight and Asa will play, you know, 35, 38, maybe even 40 minutes a game. But if Evans made that jump, like I hope he did, then we can go nine. Cause obviously flowers is going to play. Luke's going to come in. Brown is going to, ha- will have to come in for venting in relief of him. And then that leaves you with your ninth, which could be Evans at the four spot. Yeah. Or maybe Dwayne Thompson really stuns yeah. as a freshman and he could, could step be. up. I mean, he, I still think about why he reclassified and I feel like Schmidt had to give him some kind of assurance that, you know, if he performs, he can get some minutes. So it could yeah. be Evans. It could be Thompson. I, I don't think uh, Miles Rose or Million Martinez will really crack the rotation very often. They may play, you know, spot minutes, but I don't, I don't foresee them really being, you know, game in game out players. But yeah. I mean, if we're just looking at the minute log only from, from Alfred, uh, Thompson played 16 minutes. Noel Brown played 17, but, Luke and Barry Evans and Moses Flowers all played 14. So right, yeah. he played more time than them. And, you know, freshmen obviously in a D3 situation may play a little more. But I think, you know, I could see Dwayne Thompson eventually emerging. He played well, too. Four or five, uh, nine points, four rebounds. Um, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, and, and again, yeah. he's really young. He's really young. So, um, yeah, but I agree. If he, if he can be that guy and beat out Evans for minutes and find his way as young as he is into the rotation on this team in the A-10, uh, we got a player going forward. Um, but next over under, over under for the Bonnies, two and a half all A-10 selections. This does not count freshman of the year. This does not count defensive player of the year. This does not even count all academic team. Okay, First, so just so- second, third team. Over under two and a half, and remember they take six on each. Yeah, uh, I'll say under just because I can't see three guys emerging to a third team level. I think two will make it. I I, I can't see a third getting to that because I think I think with having a lot of a lot of depth and talent, I can't see anybody emerging. I think it's you know Banks and Venning are obviously the favorites, and then. I don't I don't see a third person emerging to get into that level. Okay. It doesn't mean um, we aren't gonna be good. I just don't think I think there could be, you know, a lot of depth that would that would make it, you know, 
hard to get yeah. to that third that third team. Yeah, there's. Ba- I remember VCU back in like what 2019 maybe had like one of the best defensive teams in the country, and not one of their players made all defensive team because they all just split right. the vote. Um, so yeah, when, when you have a really balanced team, I agree, it can be more difficult, but banks was first team, uh, preseason venting third team preseason. I think pride is probably maybe along with Asa Sambu, possibly our two best overall stat stuffers. Um, and banks will get hot and have huge games too, but those two as well. Um, so who knows? Yeah, we are, we are pretty balanced and, and, uh, the scoring, Will I? Th- I think we'll have a lot of games of like five guys in double figures. Um, but yeah, better odds. Uh, are we more likely to finish first in the A ten or miss a double buy? Hmm. I'm gonna say miss a double buy, not because I'm down on us, just because I I think th- I think there's a good chance that Dayton will still get first place, and that the second through sixth pile could get a little messy. I don't think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get a double buy. Don't get me wrong. But I think if I had to choose between those options, I, I think it's harder for us to pass Dayton. It's considering the game is at Dayton. And if we tie it'll and we lose at Dayton, the tiebreaker would go to them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I know it sounds a little too pessimistic with these last two questions, but I think I'm just being more realistic with how things bounce. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I, I would. Yeah, it. The A10 is kind of weak, though, so who knows? Uh, and I still don't. I have no idea what to make of VCU or even Loyola, honestly. Um, so I, I think they could be good teams, but who knows? Um, all right, yeah. last one. I just want your breakout, or if there's one guy who will be a surprise this year, a breakout star. I know we've gone over all these guys a lot, but if you had one guy to kind of really step up in a role that maybe we didn't expect, who would you, do you have one in mind? Well, that's a good one. Let's see. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I don't want to be lazy with it, but I want to go back to the Moses Flowers take. I think, I think he's going to be lethal from deep this season. I I think he could be one of our best three point shooters in a while that we've seen, maybe since Jay, (laughs) because I I think not saying he's going to be as good as Jay, but I think in in terms of like recently, like he could be, more reliable than Don Welch even was at times. So I really think Moses Flowers is going to emerge and maybe they're going to have to find a place for him in the starting rotation. (laughs) I really, I'm really high on Moses. Yeah. He went 40 of one Oh nine last year. Uh, That was about 37% from deep. So definitely comfortable taking those shots. Uh, Very similar numbers the year before at Hartford. He was, a little bit worse, actually, 44 of 122. So he's taken, uh, what, 230-ish threes the last two seasons. So um, his stroke looked really good uh, against Alfred, I thought. And, you know, those guys are even pride and Adams Woods are bombing them from deep. So yeah. when those when those long ones go, like when Jay would hit them against like St. Louis, I remember, and some other ones, that's, that's what really gets the crowd up. Oh, and, and obviously perimeter defense. Oh, of course, perimeter defense as well. <laughs> Moving right along in search of good times and good news. With good friends you can't lose. This couldn't come a habit. 
Opportunity knocks once. Let's reach out and grab it. Yeah. Together we'll nab it. We'll hitchhike bus or yellow cabin. Cabin? Moving right along. Foot loose and fancy free. So finally, I've been waiting to get to this topic all night. It's been the biggest story. The A-10 is blowing up. Kermit the Frog has emerged as our conference's new mascot here in the Atlantic 10. Let's just start off right here. Are you aware of what's been going on this week on Twitter? I've been just seeing Kermit the Frog AI images, <laughs> and I, I giggle at them because I get the references. I If I didn't get them, I would be so confused, but... Yeah, I've been giggling. I have no clue why this is happening, but uh, I've been enjoying them because I'm getting the references. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give a little backstory, especially to the people who aren't, you know, chronically online like some of us. On Twitter, you know, a few nights ago, I was bored looking through Bing AI, their image generator. Bing actually good for something. For yeah. Finally, <laughs> Bing was useless until this, but Bing AI's generator is incredible. And AI, I'm not talking about a Amadiac PZ, artificial intelligence. <laughs> It's been um, very interesting. You know, you can put in these prompts about like what a picture looks like and this and that. So I've always found that like putting in Kermit into these weird situations has been funny. Like Kermit the Frog addresses Congress or Kermit the Frog runs the Boston Marathon or something. And I start off with like Kermit the Frog losing a lot of money at Blackjack. And then like Kermit the Frog eating tacos with Guy Fieri. And then I was like Kermit the Frog wins the a10 championship with fordham i don't think fordham's going to win the a10 title but it's funny fordham winning the a10 title you know is yeah. always is always a good chuckle a good yeah. sensible chuckle as we like to call it and yeah the I, I started doing them and some more people one of our good friends on uh a10 twitter kept doing them making requests people started putting in you know uh Kermit as Coach K lying on the floor. Uh, <laughs> Kermit like throwing a chair like the late Bobby Knight, which yeah. yeah, that was actually made before he died, which was a whole different weird situation. <laughs> Bobby Knight, that's that's a whole other podcast we could get into, but but like I I put Kermit you know near the the the, the ladder at VCU when VCU had a ladder that was not ADA compliant, and you know. Kermit choking out the photographer after we won a tens in 2021. So that's been the oh, whole, yeah. <laughs> that's been the whole very online Atlantic 10 preseason hype has been around the Muppets, especially Kermit um, becoming really a star in the a 10. I think he should be first 10 first team, all a 10 preseason. I think for every game or maybe um, at least when we get to the a 10, every game should have like a Kermit preview picture for it. So Depending on, the team, depending on the team we play, make a really funny Kermit meme like he's a Bana player or maybe he's a, a player on the other team or a coach from the other team. And uh, I think this could really be something that we do all year. The only thing that worries me is I don't want the robots to take your job because you have been the preeminent, not only Bonaventure graphic designer, but the preeminent Atlantic 10 graphic designer. And, you know, I don't want to take your job by just typing in a few sentences into Bing. Because, you know, you actually have talent and Bing can't spell the word Bonaventure to save its robotic life. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about AI. Like they can't even get they can't spell. They can't get the fingers right. The teeth are always messed up. I did. Uh, I, I, I like it um, and it helps me in what I do and some of the things I do. I did uh, A10 coaches as professional wrestlers over the summer, which is fun. But <laughs> um, yeah, the stuff I do, they could never do because it's very like intricate and numbers oriented and obviously 
something that you need manual labor for and something that AI won't be able to do. But for these, go right ahead. I don't, I don't. Yeah. And I had a great, a few weeks before this really took off, I did um, have Kermit as a Bonnie basketball player and it it looked really cool. So um, if you haven't seen that yet, I'll probably post it probably on Monday night or something. But Kermit Kermit delivering DoorDash in Duquesne's empty arena. Somebody made him as Uber Eats. Yes, somebody did as an Uber Eats, as an Uber Eats delivery guy. In (laughs) Duquesne. Duquesne. Yes. Wow. See, that's the thing. They did all those iconic moments. (laughs) They were recreated like when... uh, um, when Dayton beat St. Louis in the Arch Baron Cup a few years ago, and it was a clutch moment, and our good friend uh, Andy on uh, Twitter, who's a St. Louis fan, was like holding his head in his hands and had a like a sailor hat on. It was <laughs> <laughs> all the all the iconic A10 moments have been recreated by Kermit. So that just gets me into our, the thing I want to talk about, which I think is the most important issue, is um, my list of which Atlantic 10 teams are Muppet characters. So for people at home, how familiar are you with the Muppets and their work? <laughs> I'm not at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not at all. You know who Kermit is at least. <laughs> Kermit. And I know Kermit. I know Miss Piggy. All the other ones that are coming to mind are definitely Sesame Street. So I think that's yeah. it. Well, there's overlap. There's overlap, but I kept it oh, strictly to, yeah, the Muppets and Sesame Street are Jim Hansen related. Okay. It's, yeah. Kermit's yeah. on Sesame Street. It, yeah. It's, it's this overlap, but, but yeah, by and large, I'm, I'm sticking here just to the, the Muppets specifically themselves. So let's go right into it here. You know, I'll go off, you know, some of these are going to be like, you know, the big hitters first, you know, I got Dayton as Kermit and I have VCU as Miss Piggy. What do you make of that pairing before I explain it? I could see that. Yeah. I mean, VCU has an obnoxious blonde representing them. That could be (laughs) definitely like a Miss Piggy style character. (laughs) I wasn't even going just for that. I just think like VCU fans in general are very like sharp, like Miss Piggy and Kermit is, you know, Dayton type likes to think of it as the main character and it kind of is, but at the same time, a lot of like dumb, bad things happen to Kermit. So that's why I went with Dayton as Kermit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah. I got you. All I right. Agree. Next two. These are definitely the weirdos. Number one. Oh, well, number one on this is us. I have us as animal. You know who animal is, right? Animal. No, I don't. Animal. He's like the crazy drummer. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Why Why is that upon us? He's, he's a very good drummer. So we are very talented, but at the same time, we can be very irrational and just, just wild and fun. So I think animal fit. I almost went with another one. I'll explain later, but, uh, um, I went with Animal for that. And then St. Louis, I have as Gonzo. Of course, Blue. But they're also kind of weird and sometimes successful, mm. but sometimes not. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm looking <laughs> at I'm looking at these now. Animal looks like uh, Gritty, the Flyers mascot's like. Yeah. Son. Yeah, exactly. He's a little, yeah, he's a little bit of a um, combination between like maybe Cookie Monster and Animal, I would say, is, is yeah. Gritty. Uh, let's just rattle through some of these. Uh, Davidson is a Swedish chef, I think. Do I need to explain that one? Uh, yeah, you do need to explain it. You know who the Swedish chef is? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, Davidson has a million, like, you know, foreign guys that come into play. Oh, <laughs> like Like, John Axel Goodmanson, I know that's Iceland, but, you know, you know course, Scandinavia, dude. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I looked at Davidson's team picture this year, and it is the most Davidson team I've ever seen in my Ooh, life. Speaking of rough, speaking of rough powerhouses, they're going to be rough, but yeah. <laughs> we're on the Muppets, so <laughs> we'll get into that some other time. Um, Duquesne is Camilla the chicken. I was really reaching for this one. It's just some chicken. I don't know. I don't like Duquesne. Screw him. <laughs> I had to fill it out. <laughs> um, Fordham is Rizzo the rat. So um, Rizzo the rat kind of sounds very New York and 
You know, he's a little bit of an underdog, oh. so I feel like that's Fordham. Yeah. George Mason is Rolf. He's the dog that plays the piano. George Mason has an incredible band. Their band is awesome. GW, Sam the Eagle. That one seems like a no-brainer. You know, Sam the Eagle is very patriotic. George Washington, all that. Uh, so the Philly schools, St. Joe's is Dr. Honeydew, and LaSalle is Beaker. I feel like, you know, St. Joe's is the the uh, the boss in that relationship, and Beaker's the weird one. So I feel like LaSalle is a little more the Beaker in that relationship <laughs> I see than it. Dr. Yeah. Honeydew. <laughs> Yep. And then let's uh, round it all out. Uh, else, uh, Loyola is Walter, who I didn't even know who Walter is. Some new, some new Muppet that nobody really knows much about. So I just Perfect. gave it to him. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, Loyola is them. I had to, hey, I had yeah. 15 of them. And there's only like 10 like relevant Muppets. <laughs> UMass, this is what I originally had as the Bonnies, but I, I felt like this was more UMass. I had Fozzie Bear as UMass. Fozzie Bear. Okay. You know, Waka Waka. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I know Fozzie Bear. So I yeah. had it as us because I personally love Fozzie, but the more I thought about it, the more I think Fozzie is a bit of a tryhard and he's too thirsty for attention. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you think that sounds like UMass fans? Yeah, it, it sounds a lot. <laughs> yeah. Fozzie Bear has also never been to a Final Four. That's true, yep. Yeah, that is also true, <laughs> just like UMass. And then let's round this out with the last few here. Uh, only two more. Richmond is Scooter. Scooter's like a dorky kid one kind of there. Ooh, I mean, he looks it, like he would attend Richmond. Yeah. And then Rhode Island is Pepe the King Prawn. I just said that because Rhode Island has great calamari. <laughs> Scooter's definitely Richmond. I'm looking at him now. Yes. Pepe... <laughs> Oh, he's okay. like a he's like a yeah. French he's like a French shrimp. He's the king prawn. He Rhode Island has great seafood. That was my rationale yeah, for that. I like it. <laughs> so, I'm on board. So you cool with those? Yeah, I approve. <laughs> we, <laughs> we may need some Muppet experts to come at me and um, you know, respond to these this this list I made because it was a very quick one. And like I said, I didn't even know who Walter was, although I recognized him. He's some newer Muppet, but yeah. Animal, SBU, I feel like that is a pretty pretty close match, I would say. An Atlantic 10 men's basketball in uh, Muppets crossover. We are as niche as it gets here. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and one more thing I did want to mention. We had Statler and Waldorf in the cold open. They are Temple and Xavier because they're the old guys who are no longer <laughs> really involved. And they're sitting in the background. They're just probably laughing at us. Yeah. Although yep. I, I think we're kind of laughing at Temple's basketball program yeah. lately because it sounds like they want to get back in the A-10. Maybe Butler and Xavier or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Butler is like, I don't even know who they would be. They'd be like, God, I I can't even think of who Butler would be. They're probably some Muppet that was on once in 1978. (laughs) Yeah, the one episode one. A discontinued Muppet show character. Uh, Final thoughts before we look at uh, Longwood and Canisius for you? We didn't make one Longwood joke, not one sexual pun about Longwood. Thank us, because it would have been really cheap. It would have been really bad. We tried not to do it. Yes, I, I am proud of us. We, that was our goal. Let's not make yeah. a Longwood joke. You know, no. we'll just let the Longwood joke sit here and, you know, you can just make your own, I guess. <laughs> make your own at home. It's a choose your own adventure here at the end with your Longwood jokes because I'm sure they've all been made by every Big South team for the past decade or so. <laughs> right, exactly. We're not going to get cheap. We're not going to punch down. Nope. As we, nope. As we compare UMass to Fozzie Bear. Nope. Even though, yeah, we, we are a very reputable podcast here. We strive for the best analysis of Atlantic 10 college basketball yep. and also the Muppets. 
<laughs> and we could have made jokes even though Longwood is also named the Lancers and they hold a big sword. But we're not going to do that anyway. So thank you all so much for joining us here on episode 50 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SB Unfurled some, for some really good basketball knowledge. At X if you want a ton of Kermit pictures of doing... Oh God, I don't even know what <laughs> he's just, yeah, there's, there's more that, that will be coming, unfortunately. So watch out for that. And um, be sure to also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms and rate us, review us, give us all the five stars that you want to give us. And we will see you after hopefully two wins for the Bonnies and we will get you ready for the legends classic down in Brooklyn. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah,